Welcome to the GeoMob Podcast, where we discuss geo-innovation in any and all forms, be it for fun or profit. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the GeoMob Podcast. Today, I am once again chatting with Stephen Feldman, and uh, we're going to be talking about the upcoming Phosphor G UK event. But first, Stephen, I have some exciting news, and I want to congratulate us in that we have made it to 20 episodes here on the podcast. Well done. Wow, that's a little milestone, isn't it? And um, how many listeners are we getting at about? Well, actually, very difficult to tell. Podcast analytics is not such a well-developed science, actually. You can't really measure the listeners. You can measure the downloads. I think in total, right. we've had about 5,000 downloads so far. Obviously, you don't know then, wow. did they listen to it? Did they listen to all of it? Did they stop after 20 seconds in disgust at, at your voice or something? But we don't know. We don't know. So that remains a riddle to be to be solved. But a big thank you to everyone who is who is out there listening. And a thank you to all of our guests who have come on the show. And uh, please recommend it to anyone else you think might find it interesting. One other announcement. We got our next GeoMob Online coming up on the 10th of June. So this will be our third online event. And I think they've gone pretty well. Although, obviously, it's not the same as our offline events. And, and I guess they're... People are starting to have some fatigue at the online events. On the other hand, it's good because we get to have guests from all over the world. And I think we have a very good lineup this time. So I look forward to everyone who wants to join us there on the evening of the 10th. Yeah, and I think, you know, when we talk about the Phosphor G UK online, you know, we're going to have to touch on this issue of uh, digital fatigue and how many Zoom sessions can you stand in any period of time. Certainly, what I've noticed with GeoMob Online being the person on the virtual reception is that you get quite a lot of no-shows at these events. You know, we're talking about 40-plus percent of the people who sign up don't actually turn up on the night. I think that's one of the, another aspect of online events that we're going to have to get used to, you know, that the capacity of people to come to the events is actually diminishing over time. It's not the same as going to a physical event and actually seeing people and having that drink. But listen, we're doing pretty well. And uh, the feedback that I get from them is really, really good. You know, people are talking about them and enjoying them. I have enjoyed the events and I, I don't know why I think this one will be our best one yet. So, you know, let's see. We'll keep going. What um, give us an update on Mapri, Stephen? What's new with with um, in the world of Mapri? Well, it's as you might imagine, Ed. You know, the whole point of Mapri is people seeing maps in the wild, and maps in the wild means you've got to be out and walking around, and you see maps on the street, you see maps in in strange places. If people aren't getting out, if they're locked down as they are in London at the moment, you know, the flow of maps coming into Mapri has slowed down quite a lot. And that's to be expected. That said, I think, you know, we've got posts stacked up until September or early October. So it's not like we're running out of your weekly fix of maps in the wild and they'll be coming for plenty. Of, we've got plenty to come. And hopefully as people start to get out again and start going on vacations maybe and whatever else, we'll start to see more maps in the wild coming back up again. What about OpenCage? What you've been doing with the geocoding business over the last few weeks? 
Well, you know, we've been riding the waves of the coronavirus. Some some customers have been suffering because by definition, usually when you're geocoding, it's because things are moving around. So they're moving a bit less, just like you with Mapri. Nevertheless, we've also had some successes. So and we've been using the time also to build up, build up some of the content on the site. So we just launched a big guide to reverse geocoding where we go into depth talking about all the challenges of reverse geocoding and um, the use cases and things. And it's one thing that I always find interesting is when um, when I talk with someone and say we do geocoding, you know, they particularly people from the geo industry, they say, oh, you know, what about the you know this case? And they kind of assume that their use case is the use case of everyone. And the reality is there are actually many, many different use cases and needs. And so we go into that into the content and we we explain you know, all the different challenges and, and some of the ways people want to do geocoding and things. So there are more layers to the onion than you might suspect. So everyone can check that out. There always are. There always are layers on layers on layers. <laughs> exactly. Lots of interesting edge cases and things like that. So, But let's dive into today's episode, Stephen. You have been one of the organizers of Phosphor G UK. Uh, which is coming up now in a few weeks. Maybe start off by by giving us the exact time and date and and tell us why is there a Phosphor to UK? Because I, I originally it was not planned, if I understand correctly. That's correct. So Phosphor G UK online will be on the 17th of June from about nine o'clock in the morning, British summertime, until about 5.30 in the afternoon. So why are we doing it? Well, if you've been following uh, the news from the OSGO community, you'll know that the big global phosphagy in Calgary, Canada, was cancelled about four, six weeks ago. You'll know that phosphagy Europe, which was in Valmiera in Latvia, has also been cancelled. And talking to the organizers of both of those, which I have been doing because of my activities within OSGEO, neither of them were intending to switch to an online event. They both, Calgary has cancelled completely. Phosphagy Europe has been postponed for a year and they're hoping to run a European event next summer in Latvia. So we felt there was a big gap. You know, we're an online community who, who look forward to meeting up, to sharing experiences and everything. And the whole rhythm of the year was disrupted inevitably by this virus and by the cancellation of the event. So we thought, why don't we try and put on an online event? And um, originally, our expectations were quite small, but... Uh, it seems to be gathering momentum at the moment. You know, so what will be the format? There'll be talks. There'll be there'll be kind of like a geomob one one stream, or there'll be multiple talks, or long talks, short talks. We're going to be running something that's fairly like a traditional phosphagy event. They're going to be three streams running all day. They're going to be keynotes. There are a few changes that we're making. So the talks are scheduled for about twenty minutes, maybe slightly longer, but not much. With five to 10 minutes for questions. And then at the end of every talk, there's going to be a 10 minute break to allow people to have a comfort break, make a cup of coffee, check their email. If they're switching streams, they can find the stream details and switch streams. Um, what we didn't want to do was just to have endless hours and hours of slide decks rattling past you 
you know, which just becomes a complete zone out for some people. You know, we wanted it to be more relaxed. You'd be able to dip into it. We're going to run something we're calling the coffee bar, which is going to be sort of using Zoom breakout rooms so that you can decide not to listen to any of the talks and just go into the coffee bar and meet some random person and have a chat with them whilst you're drinking your cup of coffee at home. So we're trying to give it a different tempo and rhythm. Inevitably, you know, yes, it's going to be a bit like a GMOB online, a bit like a Phosphagy in real life, but adapted to the circumstances a little bit. And we're sort of expecting that people will come. Some people will come for the whole day and they'll feverishly pick out what they want to go to in the first session, the second session, and all of that. And um, and some people will just dip in for one or two of the talks and that will be it. And, you know, whatever people want to do, that's fine. Is there any fee to attend or, or no, anyone can just show up? You have to register. And if you go to the show notes, we'll put the registration details in the show notes. Or if you search for Phosphagy UK online on Twitter, you'll soon find your way to the registration details. You need to register. It's completely free to register. We are strongly encouraging, imploring, recommending that people make a donation to one of the two causes that we're asking them to support. Or So, one option is that you make a donation to OSGO UK, which will help us to defray the costs of the technology and everything that we're incurring to put the event on. The alternative is to make a donation to Map Action, which seems to be the charity for Map Geek. It's a great charity. And the third option is if you don't want to donate to either of those two, we just say please donate some money to any charity that you like in the country that you live in. You know, I mean. It's free, but we'd like people to, to put their hands in their pocket and raise some money for good causes, either our causes or somebody else's. That's a very cool model. Very, very good. Because I know yeah. I mean, when, one of the problems you always have, particularly with an online event, is if you have people attending from you know, the other side of the world where it's not so easy maybe for them to transfer money or whatever, you know, where they don't have a credit card or things like that, it, it can be, you know, creates unnecessary stress and friction. So, very nice. Absolutely. And, um, and the whole thing about this is that there's different economics to running an event like this. You know, we'll find out how it works, how successful it is. Our costs are in the really low hundreds of pounds for paying for the technology that we need for the event. We've got no other expenses. We're not catering. We don't have venue hire. We haven't sought sponsorship. We're funding this from our reserves, so we don't have any... You know, we've got a really simple website that we've put together for the event. The whole thing's been run by a group of six volunteers, basically. On the day, they're going to be more volunteers. And if anyone listening to this wants to volunteer, particularly people who have experience of running large events on Zoom, we need some people to help us on the day. Please get in touch with me or you'll find the details for volunteering on the event website. Okay, very nice. And I, I know that you put out a call a couple weeks ago asking for speakers to volunteer. Has, so has the lineup, the lineup has been decided already? And, or yep. no? So we've published the list of the talks. I think they're just under 40 
40 speakers or talks, uh, scheduled demonstrations, instructional event talks, um, all sorts of different content. We haven't yet published how those are going to be spread into into the three streams, but um, we've got a rough plan for that. We're just waiting for everybody to com all the speakers to confirm that the times that we've allocated to them work because you know, we've got speakers from all around the world at this event. You know, I mean, we've got speakers from 19 countries. Um, wow. Well done. So well particularly, done. You know, we've got people from Canada and we've got people from North America and from Romania and all over. So just making certain that um, the different speak, the time zones and everything work for everybody is what we're juggling at the moment. We've got eight themes that we're going to be that we've grouped the talks into. So we've got a theme around COVID-19 and what people are doing with geo in that, in that area. We've got quite a lot of Earth observation stuff, which is very interesting. And for me, you know, I always think that I don't know enough about that, so I'll do my best to get to listen to some of those talks. We've got classic mapping and some field-based stuff, you know, some interesting talks about capturing data in the field and various technologies for doing that. We've got a, a theme across geospatial business ethics and people, which has got some interesting thought pieces in it. We've got loads of technology talks around sort of post-GIS, metadata, geoserver, so those sorts of things. So, yeah, there's a hell of a lot of content. You know, it'd be good for people who who know the stuff and want to learn more for people who don't know much about open source but would like to get a quick introduction to a lot of the concepts and pe and stuff. Yeah, it's going to be a good event. Congratulations. That, that, that sounds like a diverse set of talks and lots to keep everyone interested. What talks are you most looking forward to? So what am I looking forward to? Well, we've got Maria Arias de la Reina, who was is the past president of the OSGO Foundation. And she's doing a talk entitled Working with Big Spatial Data Workflows, or What Would Jon Snow Do? So it's a sort of, it's big data, it's coronavirus. Maria's a fantastic speaker, really entertaining, and she's doing the first of the keynotes, which will be, which actually is going to be at around lunchtime, so that people in the States and people in the Far East all can get to hear her speaking. So we put the keynote right in the, which is a, di a different approach to keynote, isn't it? Normally the keynotes are at the front. We put it right in the middle so that the biggest range of time zones can all zoom in to listen to Maria talk. We've got Sean Gorman, who you may remember. He's talking about mapping the world in 3D using commodity video and photos. He's producing these really detailed point clouds from, from photographic imagery that's crowdsourced. Really interesting project. We've got Denise McKenzie, chair of the AGI at the moment, and she's talking about the Locust Charter and how to use location data ethically and responsibly, which I think will be interesting. One that I'm really looking forward to because it's like a geeky one is Ian Turton, who works at Aston, is doing a talk entitled What Every GIST User Should Know About Projection. And all of us who've messed around with data in 
QGIS or whatever our favorite tool is and find our layers not lining up, um, Ian's going to give us some understanding of why that might be happening. Well, yeah, there's loads more. There's loads more. They're all going to be great. You know, there's, there's nearly 40 talks, and I'd like to listen to all of them. Fortunately, we're going to record them, and hopefully within a few days after the event, we'll get all of those talks up on our YouTube channel so people will be able to catch up with the ones that they miss. Yeah, that is great. That is great. That's a good good resource for people. Very cool. Well done. Well done. And then congrats to all the volunteers that are putting together their talks. What I believe you're also giving a keynote, is that correct? I am giving a keynote, yes. I've got the closing slot. So I just started working out what I'm going to be talking about. What I want to do is just reflect on the fact that for years and years, we run these big physical events in big venues with increasing numbers of people. And we've always had a tension between the desire of a community to come together and to to socialize, to learn from each other, to make contacts. But along with that comes an environmental cost. You know, we're traveling around the world to go to these conferences. A financial cost, typically it costs, you know, $600 to get to, you know, to buy a ticket. Add to that your travel costs and your accommodation. You know, and attending a fossil G can cost you fifteen hundred, two thousand dollars. You know, that's a lot of money for a lot of people, and means that it's not accessible to a lot of people. So now we're hosting a, an online conference, um, and at this moment, well, to be honest, last night we had delegates from thirty-four countries registered for the event, and only half of them are from Great Britain. So it really is you know, an international event that we're running with nobody traveling and nobody saying, I can't attend because I can't afford it. That's a radical change for any community. Um, so I want to reflect on that. And I also want to reflect on the gaps that we're going to find through having just an online event as opposed to a physical event and what that mean, might mean going forwards in terms of how we can perhaps run hybrid events and stuff like that. So it's going to be, that's sort of what the talk's going to be about. But by the time I've written it, it might be completely different. Ed. Who knows? Well, I'll, I'll definitely watch that. Obviously, it's on a much smaller scale, very relevant for GMO. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. That, that's the challenge. On the one hand, you want everyone to participate and, and you want to get speakers from everywhere. On the other hand, it's a lot of fun to meet up face-to-face and have a beer and stuff like that. And, and you don't get that online. So, you know, one approach I saw people talking about is have have a big international event like what you're having, but then have local watching parties. So, you know, people could meet somehow at a pub or something, assuming, you know, they're allowed to go to a pub and meet in their country. But yeah. that they, you know, so that way you kind of get the best of both worlds. The event can bring in people from all over the world, but you still have some kind of social aspect, even if it's not exactly the same. I don't know. I, I think this is good that you're you're going to explore these topics because obviously this is what the future holds. So we'll have to experiment with different models and, and see what works and what doesn't. And another thing that just occurred to me as you said that, because I remember you sent me that article about people having these parties to watch an online event. One of the challenges of running a really big event is that the big venues are expensive. They can't avoid being expensive. You know, you run a conference center that's going to accommodate 1,000, 1,200 people. It's going to be expensive. Yeah. Uh, but there are lots of small venues 
around the world that one can get hold of for very small amounts of money. You know, they can be donated, you know, like the Jiribation venue, you know, they can donate their venue. And you could actually have a hybrid event where effectively you had a stream in each country and you had speakers actually physically there talking to the audience in one or two rooms in a building in London and a room in Barcelona and a room in Berlin and a room in New York, for example. But at the same time, all of those events would be, all of those, those streams were being streamed live to the internet so that people who weren't in those places could be watching them. So you could have a hybrid type thing like that that would work, you know, and... Um, yeah, there'd be some logistics involved there, but but, but yeah, in theory, I don't know. I, yeah. I think we'll we'll have to experiment more and, and see what 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 works and what what people want to do and what people what doesn't work, frankly. So yeah. So yeah, as we head into the event, what what are the things that afterwards make you say it was a big success? Well, nothing too major goes wrong. You know, I'm sure something's going to go wrong on the day, and you know, in my in our guidance to attendees we've said please be nice we know something will go wrong we'll fix it as fast as we can hopefully nothing disastrous will happen hopefully we won't get zoom bombed so that would be you know that will be a success if we get through the day without a disaster it would be a success if all of the people or most of the people who register turn up for at least part of the event we're not asking or expecting everybody to be there for all of the event but it would be a disappointment if we've got five six hundred people registered for the event and only a hundred of them bother to turn up but you know it won't make any difference we're going ahead and it will be fine but it would just be nice if people turned up it will be great if we raise a decent chunk of money for the two causes we're supporting but it's not really about money at all you know the event's free and um, we're happy to fund the costs of it so you know but raising some money for map action and osgo uk would be nice I guess we want people to have fun. In fact, that would be probably the biggest sign of success. If people come away saying, that was really great, let's do that again next year, I think we'd be really happy with that. And for me, because I'm involved in all the, you know, not all the, when I say involved in all the conferences, I've been a member of the OSGO conference committee for seven, eight years now. I've been chair of that for a while. I'm not now. This is a learning thing. You know, we have to adapt. You know, when we come out of lockdown, as, as we are at the moment, you know, things aren't going to be the same. You know, people aren't going to be jumping on planes. And we as a community need events as part of the whole structure that maintains our community. You know, we can't just have people writing code and communicating on IRC channels. We need something more than that. And this is part of that learning experience of how do we go forward from here on in. So uh, whatever happens on the 17th of June, we'll learn stuff and we'll write that stuff down. And hopefully that will help other people to put on better virtual or hybrid events in the future. Well, that's fantastic. Sam. Congrats to congrats to you and and all the other volunteers and organizers putting it together. And uh, I will register and I will be there at least for some of it. And um, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to learning. Great. Looking forward to uh, you know seeing how it goes. So, congrats. Thank you very much. So, if people want to find out more about us, we'll put all the links in the episode notes. But the best thing to do is search on Twitter 
for Phosphor UK, which is our account, that will give you the link to the website. And if you use the hashtag #PhosphorGUKOnline, you'll find what other people are saying about us. Very nice. Yeah, we'll get all that linked up. All right. Okay. Good luck. Bye. Thank you. See you on the seventeenth. Thanks everyone for joining us today and listening to the GMOP podcast. Hopefully, you've enjoyed the discussion. Please don't hesitate if you have any feedback for us or any suggestions for topics that we should cover in the future. You can get the show notes over on the website, which is at thegeomob.com. While you're there, if you're not yet on the mailing list, please do get on the mailing list where we once a month send out an email announcing future events, summarizing past events, and just generally sharing uh, events that you may find of interest. You can also, of course, follow us on Twitter, where our handle is geomob. You can follow Steven at Steven Feldman. You can follow me at Fryfogel. You can check out Mappery at mappery.org. And of course, if you need any geocoding, please check out my service, which is opencagedata.com. We look forward to you joining us again at a future episode and of course, seeing you at a future GeoMop event. Hope to see you there soon. Bye.